Hello and welcome to episode the 39th of Crying in the Book Club. I'm your host, Jean-Luc. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my good friends and yours, uh, Alex. Hello! Alex the One-Eyed, in, in this case. What the fuck? <laughs> Can you explain? And, uh, That's ableist. Emily, and, well, wouldn't be the first time. And uh, Emily the Green-Haired, also here. Hello. Hello. Two weeks in a row for Emily with the green yeah. hair. She she didn't re-dye her hair to its natural color in between this episode and the last one. So I actually Pretty because impressive. I because I get my powers from the green, this is my natural hair color. Yo. Wow. Wow. Topical jokes about DC comics from Emily of all people? I know. Who could have wow. thought? What did you guys think of the ambush bug um one pagers at the end of every issue? Well, not every the, issue. It's more of the later issues, the latter, if you will. Yeah, I you know I loved seeing previews of upcoming New Fifty Two comics that will surely be released in the next few months. That's good. Yo, green teen teen trillionaires, let's go. Uh, we've heard, we, yeah, they also get their power from the green. Two things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, I I didn't know amp. I didn't know anything about ambush bug. So I didn't know that a bug stood for ambush bug. So I just oh. this whole time was I uh, thinking this was just hilariously that they were calling him a bug, um, which I liked a lot. Uh, and I'm slightly disappointed now to find out that a stood for something. But um, no, I did not like those because it involved a lot of reading. <laughs> Hey, but they're, they're important. You got. You definitely have Did, to read I them. I know, and I kept having to read them, and See, I didn't like it. The thing is, they're actually not important at all. Not at all. They, like, they are a lot of read. I, I also remember when I was reading New 52 comics, and I read one of those for the first time, thinking it was, like, part of the story, and it's just, mm-hmm. like, an advertisement for up to upcoming comics. It's a bad or, advertisement. It's like, oh. Superman, new suit? Uh, we don't have much more details. I guess you'll have to read the fucking issue. It's like, we'll be back next week. Like, what? What are you doing, Ambush Bug? What yeah. are you doing? I'm already reading every single book. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Fuck. It was a good time. Oh. It was a good time. Yeah. We are here to talk about Jeff Lemire's Animal Man, which, as you know, we have, of course, alluded to already, was a, a New 52 comic. One of the original New 52 comics, the original 52. Perhaps one of the newest of the 52. No, not the newest. Not the newest of the 52-ist. It was the, it was the oldest of the 52-ist. Well, uh, I think in terms of like, if you're just going by when the characters was, were created, Animal Man is probably one of the newer characters, but not certainly not the newest, but but definitely one of but the But in terms of New 52 characters. titles, because D- DC was like, okay, 52 titles, and then they canceled like eight of the 52 and then they're like but don't worry we have another eight titles so we'll always have 52 books a month which i can't imagine now like the the fact that they actually put out 52 issues i think dc has like 13 ongoings now or something like that yeah so (laughs) it is funny to think that at one point in time we have to go back um anyway uh this is your spoiler warning for uh jeff lemire's animal man if you want to read it you should go do that is I this, would recommend you do so. Is this our first Jeff Lemire book of the podcast? Surprisingly, yes. Which, if you had are familiar with uh, the comics podcast, you would know that we are huge Jeff Lemire fans. He's a hack. Uh, 
probably the the greatest writer in comics currently. He uh, is our uh, I yeah. I think he's the greatest writer in comics like five six years ago when he was putting out more. Uh, our group chat icon is a picture of Jeff Lemire with uh, hearts edited onto it that I made several years ago. And I, I Jeff Lemire is putting out a lot of books right now. You just don't read monthly comics. So you know what? You got me, and I haven't read it for the last like two years. So uh, me being like, well, he was good five years ago is a uh, is thing. I, but see, you see, I'm the only one on this podcast who has actually met Sir Jeff Lemire. That's true. I, I, I'm assuming. And multiple times. I, I've never met being I a Canadian. Never met Jeff Lemire. Going to con. No, I, I've never yeah. met Papa. Every, every 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 Canadian knows each other, so you have to evolve or die, is what Jeff Lemire says. Oh, that's a he nice wouldn't signed even... copy of Volume One. That's pretty cool. He wouldn't even oh, sketch yeah. it. Coward. Oh. Coward. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't what? He wouldn't even draw me a full sketch. Oh. He just wrote evolve or die. So. Well, you might you might have to pay him for the full sketch. I'd do it. Yeah. I would too. This is actually, it's funny because it's actually one of the first books that Jeff Lemire did not draw. Uh, most of his, like most of, of his work. Time. Yeah. It's one of the few uh, comic books that Jeff Lemire did not draw. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Lemire had, drew every comic book for the last 150 years. As far as I'm concerned. You know what? What I mean by that, <laughs> to, you know, reduce confusion, I suppose, is that uh, Jeff Lemire drew a lot of his own books like he is a writer artist uh, and now yeah so he he and now like even a lot of his a lot of his creator owned work and stuff now is stuff that he both writes and draws uh animal man was like the second dc book he did i think he did a brief run on superboy prior to the new 52 Mm. which he also did not draw but this was the, you know, Jeff Lemire's art style, if you're not familiar and you want to look it up, might not be the most compatible with, you know, what DC Comics releases, uh, much to <laughs> it's my It's certainly shirt. not house style. Yeah, yeah. It's so, slightly worse. Hmm. That's a... Just I will wrong. say, they did, they did manage to have a, like kind of a funky art style for some of this book yeah we we will oh, talk yeah. about uh travel foreman in particular i think who is it's the artist Stevie pew yeah travel foreman is the initial artist on this book he he mm-hmm. draws that's uh, definitely issues what one I'm, through six that's yeah. definitely what uh, i was thinking of yeah and then in issue seven steve pew uh takes over interior duties steve pew who had uh previously drawn animal man uh, in the nineties, oh, was, that, was uh, that the Morrison days? Actually, he, he did not draw the the Morrison run. Uh, uh, it was the it was the it was the run I believe directly after the Morrison run. Uh, hmm. I'm blanking on the name of the writer, but I'll, I'll look it up at some point. Uh, and there's a couple of fill in issues as well. Uh, Timothy Silver the second, the name that I feel like I haven't seen since this book, drew a couple issues, and I, there's one issue that's drawn by John Paul Leone. Oh yeah. Uh, so there's a there's as with all the new 52 books like the art is not the most consistent but we'll, we'll get into that and talk about that later on um yeah. like i said this is the only the second time lemire wrote an ongoing series that he didn't also draw uh so there's a lot of uh he, he actually said it in an interview that i read with him that was like a retrospective on animal man he said that like he had no idea what to expect so he would just like 
give Trump like he had a I guess a very like professional relationship with Travel Foreman, not a particularly personal one. And he would just like send him scripts. But he talked about the first time that like Travel Foreman sent him back like his designs for Animal Man and some of like the stuff from the early issues. Mm-hmm. Lemire was like oh Lemire like talked about how he was just like completely blown away by what Foreman did on the- which obviously like any writer is gonna say that about an artist that they're working with. But I mean there is some really cool shit in there. So. It has a little yeah. more cachet coming from <laughs> Jeff Lemire. Like yeah, he, he doesn't seem like the guy who'd be like, "Oh man, I got to work with Ethan Van Skyver. What a legend! What a guy!" <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, you know Lemire. Yeah, I, I, I believe him when he says he was he was blown away by that. Um, it, he also said has, has said in the interviews that you know he was obviously very inspired by Morrison's run on the book. There's a direct reference to Morrison's Animal Man at the open in the opening of one of the issues. Um, but also, it was uh, also inspired by other Vertigo comics of that era, so things that came out around the same time as Animal Man. Uh, but also, as you know, his experience as a new father. Uh, he said in an interview, I think that his his kid was two was just two when he started writing Animal Man, and then obviously, um, I could definitely. Uh, I didn't know that, but I can feel that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is one of those things where, like, when you know that, it's like, oh yeah, that. Yeah, checks out. Yep. There's a there's a lot of dead kids in this book. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things, and there's also a lot of anxieties about dead kids. Literally, I was going to say it is more anxiety. Yeah. I was literally about to say a lot of dead kid anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So those are kind of some of the things that play into the book. Uh, We didn't read the whole thing. Uh, the whole run. We read issues one to one through twenty. Uh, the book ends with issue 29. It also has Plus a zero issue and a couple animals. Two issues annuals. of yeah. uh, Swampy. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I forgot to read issue zero. Uh, but it's I did the kissing read, issue. I re- I, uh, yeah, and I didn't read the uh, the annual, even though John Luke recommended it to me. I'm going to read it, though. Oh, because, my God. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that happens in the annual. Uh, no, I. And you're going to be sad you didn't it. read I, it. No, I believe it. I'm going to read it. I just like uh, totally spaced on actually doing that. I like I I got to issue twenty and I was like, all right, I'm done. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's well, a mistake on my part. Uh, it's 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 fine. the The annual is not like integral to the story, but it is like a it is a good issue with yeah. some like background in it. Yeah, um, we'll so that's what, we, that's what we read, which roughly takes us to the end of the first big story, which is the the Rot World. Uh, story arc which crossed over with Swamp Thing. We did read the two direct tie-ins from Swamp Thing. Uh, I also read the the Green Kingdom side, which is not again the Rot World crossover is kind of a mess in the in terms of like what the reading order is supposed to be because it's a lot of books that have the Rot World banner on them that don't actually connect very much to one another. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will talk about Rot World. Uh, just a, a bit of background on Rot World specifically, though. Uh, it was developed by Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire, who Lemire obviously was writing Animal Man. Scott Snyder was writing Swamp Thing at the time. Uh, it was. It wasn't like a. They actually pitched it to DC Editorial and not vice versa. They sort of became friends after. Uh, they both had. They had like the same kind of career trajectory where. Uh, Jeff Lemire was writing Sweet Tooth at Vertigo, and Scott Snyder was writing uh, American Vampire at Vertigo, both of which were like these critically acclaimed uh, hits that were like really well loved. 
And okay. apparently they got called up on the same day by Dan DiDio to come in and write mainline uh, DC books. Uh, and so they became friends because of that and wanted to, to write something together, uh, which turned into Rot World. And then uh, years later, they would also reunite to, to write AD after write and draw 80 after death together. Mm. Um, so also another, uh, just one last tidbit. Uh, the new 52 is kind of known for being like one of the eras of DC where uh, writers were heavily constrained by editorial uh, and editorial, like had very strong directives about what the, what was supposed to be in the books and what kind, what you could do, what you could do with the characters and what you couldn't do with the characters and the kinds of stories you could tell, and the kinds of stories you couldn't tell. And if you were a woman, you weren't allowed to work for the company. Things of that nature. Well, you could work for the um, company. You'd just be second billing, even if you wrote the book. That yeah, was the, uh, yeah, yeah. That was you would be spot. below noted Nazi Ethan Van Skyver mm -hmm. in the credits. Um, but uh, Lemire actually has said in multiple interviews that that wasn't really the case with Animal Man. Um, he, the spoon quote that I pulled is that... Uh, editorial editorial didn't really have any expectations for animal man so there wasn't a ton of pressure on what i could write like if i was writing superman or batman there's a lot more eyes on that because those are supposed to be hits whereas with animal man it was just like well let's see what happens and i just kind of got away with it and then i think by the time they realized how dark it was it was already a hit so they just kept their hands off uh which i think does show because this is not your typical dc comics release um, yeah, it, it, did, it did inevitably go on to be canceled, but uh, also it was basically the way Lemire framed it was that he would they told him that the book could continue going on until the sales like completely tanked. Uh, mm -hmm. and he just decided, well, no, I'll just wrap it up, I'll just wrap my story up with issue 29 and then and then be done and move on. Yeah, uh, which I, is what happened so better to. To actually just like wrap up the story, then try to like you know. Yep. Yep. He didn't want to just sort of keep writing it until he was forced off of it without yeah. getting to tell a complete story. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's this is background. I'll get into the plot summary in just a second, but uh, Alex, I know you've read this before, Emily. You haven't, but have do either of you guys have any other history with the Animal Man character? No. Uh, and Alex, did you have any history with Animal Man at the time you read this? I assume no. This was the first Animal Man. I mean, it was, you know, New 52 was one of my first superhero comics or anything yeah. like that. So, I, I, you know, I didn't start being like, oh, I'm reading 90s Vertigo stuff. I read, you know, I read all the trash. And then I was able to, years later, be like, ah, but there's stuff that's better, maybe. So, um, I have since read the first hardcover of Morrison's Animal Man run, which I really like. And I'm just waiting for the second one to go on sale at my local shop uh -huh. so um it's been like two years waiting for that but all good actually i think it came out recently but um yeah this this was a book that um i think i picked it up on the newsstand at like issue four or five because someone in the shop was like it's so good like this is really uh -huh. good and they're like, you, they, they actually bought me this issue and they bought me swamp thing some random guy I never met again in my life, but they bought me nice. like two issues of these two books and they were like, you need to check out these books. And I read them and I was like, well, that was right. And that guy was John Luke. So thanks again, bud. And that's how you guys met. <laughs> it wasn't, I would never step foot in Canada. It's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is actually probably worth pointing out that animal man was one of the few books that was like really well received initially when it came out and it sold decently well too for, 
I think it sold uh, over. I mean, the thing is, every New Fifty Two number one sold like you at can't least count the number 50, one thousand copies. Actually, yeah, yeah, it actually had staying power relatively deep into its run. So, yeah. um, it was kind of the exception to the to the rule. Um, in in that sense, it, it definitely like kind of benefited from a positive like critical reception and word of mouth. I think, and everyone being like, "Yo, this shit is so sick." They, the the bodies blow up in really cool ways, man. It, I can definitely. It, it does happen. That, that does happen. It's really fucking time. awesome. That's the, the way that's that the guy uh, told me in the shop. He said, this, was, this, was like, this was like 2011, right? Yeah, yeah 2011. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can like see so crystal clear in my mind. Yeah. How about you, Jean Luc? Were you from the get go in Animal Man? Oh, yeah. I was, I was reading Animal Man as soon as I came out of the womb, actually. That's what I've been told. No, I, 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 this book made me an animal man guy. I'm a, I'm an animal man fan. I've read an animal fan. Yeah. Animals, animals. They're okay. Animal man. He's pretty cool. A fanimal man. Fanimal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I have, you know, read the Morrison run. I've read the, the Jamie Delano run, uh, some of the other, like, there's not that much, uh, animal man stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, have tried to read the stuff that is supposed to be good. I think it's a bit intimidating, too, because like Morrison comes into the character who was around before that, but didn't really have, you know, yeah, a great thing. And then Morrison writes it. And then like, who's who's going to go right after Morrison, which someone obviously did, but was so. Jamie Delano, which is actually pretty good, too. Yeah, uh, it's very. Uh, actually, I think I think. Well, I, I can't remember where Peter Milligan slots in because Peter Milligan did write it for a bit. I can't remember if he was directly after Morrison or there's a run in between mm. his run and Morrison's run. I don't, but you know, there, there, there's a, there's a, there's a few different people who've taken a stab at the character. Um, he's always had the, the sort like a lot of the, like uh, animal rights stuff has always been like a part of the character. So, but yeah, uh, I, I, when I read this, I, I didn't know anything about animal man. I just read every new 52 comic and I thought this one was pretty cool. At the time, um, yeah. not as cool as Batman, but you know, yeah, I Ooh. I was basically totally unfamiliar with this character, other than having heard the name because you guys have mentioned probably this comic specifically. Yeah. Maybe the Morrison book run as well, because it is. A very I mean, maybe I. Where... Yeah, I just like had no. I, I did not know what to expect, did not know who Animal Man was, did not know what his powers were, had a little bit of an inkling based on the name, but, you know. Animal versus man. Well, but, uh, for those of you who may have be like Emily uh, two days ago, not knowing anything about Animal Man, Animal Man is Buddy Baker. That's his oh, name. Okay, uh, He's a part-time actor, part-time superhero, also has a wife and two kids, so his life's pretty busy, you could say. He's got a lot uh, of things to balance and to give attention to. Uh, and so when when the series starts, we kind of pick it up. He's starred in a movie uh, directed by Darren Ar- uh Nope, not Darren Aronofsky. Uh, a different guy whose name sounds like Darren Aronofsky. Um, so 
you know, he's, he's, he's trying to balance all those different aspects of his life and who he is. Uh, but his life is thrown into complete disarray when his daughter Maxine begins uh, manifesting some strange powers, uh, namely reanimating dead animals and bringing their skeletons inside and playing with them as if they were alive. Um, she's also four, so has very little conception of what's happening, but does seem to know that uh, she has to go somewhere and, and meet some some totems of the red. Uh, which is a, a large web that connects all animal life on Earth. And Buddy uh, is like, well, my four-year-old daughter is saying this, and I, she's probably right. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna, we're we're going to go do that. And so they, they enter the red, meet uh, the totems who inform them that Maxine uh, is the next avatar of the red. And Buddy was chosen as her, her caregiver because he's her father, uh, which is why they gave him his powers uh, so that he could protect his daughter uh, as she grows up to become uh, the Avatar. Um, one of the totems decides that, uh, you know, he he has to go with them so that he can also help to guide Maxine. Uh, he becomes a small cat named Socks. Uh, he has another name too, but they immediately are just like, nope, Socks. Uh, and so they just call him Socks, and he's a cute little kitty who hangs out with them. Um, while they're in the red, they're, inf- they're, they're told about uh, something called the Rot, uh, which is sort of the third piece in the symbiotic wheel of the red, which is animal life, and the green, which is plant life, and then the Rot, which is, you know, dead shit. Uh, and in an ideal world, all these things exist in harmony, but the avatar of the rot, Anton Arcane. Everything some of you may changed have... <laughs> when Anton Arcane attacked. Yeah. Definitely some of you may have heard this name before from when we did our Swamp Thing episode uh, last year. Uh, Anton Arcane, the renegade avatar of the rot, has decided that he, you know, has larger designs than the natural symbiosis of life and death. Um, and so well, Buddy and Maxine are in the red, uh, agents of the rot called the Hunters Three attack uh, the Buddy's wife and son, uh, Ellen and Cliff are their names, respectively. Um, they go to the, they kind of escape to the, to Ellen's mother's house and are once again attacked there. Uh, and that's where, where Buddy and Maxine come back just in time to save them. Uh, Maxine uses her powers for the first time and inadvertently uh, spreads the rot to uh, from the Hunters 3 into the local fauna, uh, who then proceed to continue spreading the rot further and further. Uh, and they come after the, the, the Baker family. Um, Buddy stays behind while his family escapes to try to hold the rot at bay. Uh, in doing so, he his physical body is killed and taken over by one of the Hunters Three. This is one of the things that the Hunters Three can do. They if they can kill you and take over your body and like use your body as sort of like a flesh puppet that they inhabit. Um, so they take over Buddy's body and Buddy f- finds himself in the red, uh, where he meets. You know some new characters who will, who guide him through the red, uh, guide him back to the totems, who eventually agree to build him a new body. Uh, in one of my favorite scenes in the book, where they're just like taking his body and shaping it like clay, it's really gooey and gross. And oh, this you know, is gonna lo- hurt a lot, a lot. Yeah, we 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 love to see stuff like that. Um, 
but he's able to come out of the of the red with his new body once again. You'll notice a trend just in time to to save a member of his family from the Hunters Three. Uh, in this case, it was Cliff who was who was being attacked. Uh, so he's able to save him. Um, and now that they've all been reunited, uh, they set off on a quest to find the Avatar of the Green. Again, people who are familiar with our boy Swamp Thing, Alec Holland. Uh, he, they're, they're, they set off to look to the Louisiana Bayou to look for him, and they find him uh, along with Abby Arcane, my girl. I, I always love seeing Abby Arcane. She's great. Uh, she, she, she rocks, as always. Uh, Abby and Swamp Thing are, are hanging out in the Louisiana Bayous, uh, and Swamp Thing and Animal Man together go into the rot, uh, where they are quickly trapped by Anton Arcane. Uh, they're not able to get out. Um, and they both awake a year later to find that the world has been taken over by the rot. It is now, as the event is called, Rot World. Dun, um, dun, dun. Yeah. So basically what this means is that everybody is zombies now, except for some guys who, for some, you know, either due to having a strong connection to the red or the green, like Beast Boy and Poison Ivy, or being encased in a giant metal s- steel suit like steel, or being cool like John Constantine. I'm not actually sure how he av- avoided becoming infected, like, but into like a, a, a dimension somewhere and chilled for a bit. Yeah, he 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 was just you know I think it's just the the the, the trench coat, the big jacket was just it's just so swagged. It's yeah, the, you know the rot yeah, yeah. ignored him. Yeah. No, you're so right. It's also there uh, because he's already dead. I so, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, Frankenstein's monster. No, that is actually Frankenstein. This is Frankenstein, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. This, shade. 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 This is not Frankenstein. This guy's name is Frankenstein. No, uh, a plug like Elf who doesn't read DC comics wouldn't know. But, I was just, yeah. I, was, I was goofing. I didn't know that there was like a, uh, an Agents of Shade comic because there was like an advertisement in one of the other uh, issues of this before <laughs> oh, yeah. he showed up. So like, I was not, he, it didn't totally come out of nowhere, but uh-huh. it, I did not expect him to show we will read Frankenstein Agent of Shade for also this by show Jeff Lemire and Alberto yeah? Fontefelli. Yeah. It's it's very good. Uh, okay. Frankenstein Agent of Shade rocks, yeah. Yeah, I this saw the lineup, and I thought it looked fun, but I wasn't yeah. sure if it was actually good or not. Was it that image of him with the Gatling gun? They used that I, as an advertisement. It was, it was very yeah, fun. it was just it was I don't good. remember, but probably, but I, yeah. uh, I, I enjoyed what I saw. Anyway, point being, there are some people who survived Rot World. Um, and they go on one last desperate attempt to Metropolis to try and reverse what has happened. Um, we also get some flashbacks in this time to what happened after uh, Swamp Thing and Animal Man went into the rot. We find out that uh, Maxine was tricked uh, into joining the Hunters 3. And this is what she gave into the rot, which is actually what triggers uh, Rot World. Um, fortunately, however... Uh, Swamp Animal Man and his new friends are able to uh, show up to Metropolis at the same time, although they didn't plan it, but they show up at the same time as Swamp Thing and his friends, po- you know, Poison Ivy, Barbara Gordon, who has injected herself with the man bat serum. Uh, some other Mr. Freeze also, you can't, you know, he's too cold for the rot. So 
you know, so there's all kinds of, you know, random people from across the DC universe. They fight the zombified Justice League, which is pretty, it's pretty cool that Animal Man gets the speed of a cheetah and is able to run down the Flash and, and kill him in a very cool way. Chad would uh, like this book. Uh, at least that's, that scene. Yeah, that scene Chad, I think, would enjoy. I think watching the Flash be just completely eviscerated would, would bring him some joy. Um. So they're able to to take on Arcane, um, and then Swamp Thing and Animal Man together find themselves uh, speaking with the Parliament of the Rot, who reveal that uh, this is not actually their design. They were betrayed by their avatar, Anton Arcane. Turns out, Anton Arcane, guy whose last name is Arcane, not trustworthy. Don't trust him. He's a bad dude. Um, they didn't know 40 years of DC Comics history. Like, come on. Read the Alan Moore Swamp Thing run. You would have known. Uh, But anyway, uh, the Parliament of the Rod is able to use their powers to send Aunt Buddy back in time. I mean, also Swamp Thing too. But but more importantly, what we're talking about, Buddy is sent back in time right to the moment uh, where uh, Maxine is about to be turned. Just in time to save his family. Nailed it. And he saves his family or... Most of most of his family, seventy five percent, make it out um, because uh, Cliff, his his son, and Maxine's older sister uh, is killed in the process. Which older leads brother, to, yeah, older brother, yeah, which leads to to his wife Ellen leaving him. Um, Overreaction, and, am I right? Yeah, and uh, the section that we read ends with, uh, you know. With with Buddy watching the movie that he stars in and getting a call from his agent that he has been nominated for an Oscar for his performance in Tights. Uh, so that's what we read of Animal Man. Um, what are, I I kind of know how Alice is going to answer this, so we can start with you, Enemy. 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 Okay, let's go. Um. What were your what, what were you guys' thoughts on this book? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Okay, Things so first of all, I did like because I knew nothing other than that this was a Papa Lemire book. Uh, I I had like no expectations whatsoever. Um, I thought I thought before I read this book that I was pretty. Uh, I was pretty acquainted with like animal based body horror. Uh, you know, I've read, I've read several Animorphs books. I've watched, uh, I've watched some horror movies where body horror was a feature. So like, I thought I was pretty prepared, but I feel like there's something about the body horror of, I, you know, I can't speak for other animal man, but this animal man book in particular, the way that it was uh, it had a lot to do with like like veins and and stuff and and like arteries and blood and uh that you know uh this was uh an experience is i guess what i what i'm getting there it was uh it it was a body horror experience that was more uncomfortable than I was anticipating, but uh, honestly, like, it fucking rocked. Like, I can't even, you know, like, the the visceral reaction that I'm having is a good thing, because this is a very visceral book. Uh, But, 
I, uh, yeah, I really, I enjoyed the reading experience of this. Uh, I actually, I did read it over the course of two days instead of trying to cram it into one day. Uh, so I got to take it at a leisurely pace and, and enjoy it. And, uh, and I like Swamp Thing. So I was, I was excited to, to see some of that crossover stuff. So, uh, yeah, I had, I had a real good time, even though some of the panels of this book made me like, ah! <laughs> yeah, it, it almost would have been more appropriate to slot this in last month in October, but. You know know what? The spooky season can last as long as we want. Spooky season lasts until Christmas Day. So true. (laughs) Um, Alex, you and I have, of course, talked about this book before, but uh, what did you think about it? Uh, Did you enjoy this reread? Have you turned fully on Jeff Lemire? Do you think he is, in fact, a hack? Or are you a Earlier, Earlier, I called him a hack. But it was but a joke. It was not serious, because I still... I still enjoy the works of Jeff Lemire. Um, and it's, I didn't know the, that this was his first work where he didn't draw it himself because um, this was second, but second yeah. one. But so this was like, I remember was reading the first? this super, super boy. Okay. Right. We're reading this like when it was coming out and just being blown apart by like the horror and the body horror that Emily was talking about. And just like, Oh, this, this book's creepy. This oh, book, it's this nasty, but like, really cool stuff. Like um, it's really good, but it's nasty. It is. I overall, I like this book. I still really like this book. I think Lemire can write. I think the rot world stuff is a little bit, it's weird to call it disappointing because it's sort of like the crux of the book and there's so much stuff of Maxine, but it's almost like it gets too big and there's too many things happening as much as it is cool to see that cool, like green lantern guy. And you see like grifter as a zombie and, and all this stuff. It feels, it feels very event comic-y in a way that's like, because it is an event, right? Um, but in a way that like, it's, that's not my favorite part of Lemire. And there is, the first, I think the first volume especially is really strong character stuff and you're getting to know these people and you're getting to know the family and stuff. And it kind of takes a back seat with some of the action. Um, but overall, still, I think it's a really good comic. And um, I want to read the other 10 issues or so to remember, but I remember really liking that too. So, Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we've always really liked about Lemire books, especially his creator-owned work, is that he writes like these very authentic characters and often very authentic families and really nails like writing characters who feel real, even though they're often in like horror settings or, or fantastical settings, uh, but really grounding it in that, that character stuff uh, that makes it feel meaningful. Um, and that's definitely in here, but it is kind of, it is kind of weird how, much that how important that feels in the early stages of the book and how it sort of seeps out like issue by issue as the book goes on uh, and and gets into like this huge mythological uh storyline um but yeah like the i think that that family dynamic undergirding it is is a big part of like what makes the series work right like it's there's this constant tension between buddy and ellen of like you know, clearly she does is the, the superhero stuff is is not had a positive impact on their relationship or on, on their marriage. Um, and, you know, there's also some tension with with Cliff, who's, uh, you know, probably like 10 or 12 in this book in that age range, um, who has is sort of forced to take a back seat while his sister gets uh, cool, sick ass superpowers. 
Um, and he is just kind of, you know, he's the irrelevant older brother. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of different like dynamics between the different members of the family, uh, that feel obviously like, yeah, like most 100% of people don't have a sibling with superpowers, but you know, that sort of sibling resentment is definitely, you know, a real thing that, that, that happens. And also the like terror of, uh, having a, your your kids thrust into like a horrible situation um and like the anxiety and fear that, that can induce like the way that it makes buddy and ellen act throughout the book is definitely real as well so that stuff is definitely there but it is it does feel like trying to balance that with the all the big superhero stuff is kind of an interesting uh juggling game that that Lemire is playing the whole time Yeah, and actually, I'm kind of impressed the way that this book manages to balance the, like, family drama and uh, insane superhero bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Because it it does, in my opinion. I think it really manages to, like, thread the needle of, uh, of treating both of these things with equal importance uh, as far as, like, you know, the, the thematic elements of the story. Yeah. And I know we, I mean, we know about the Rot World crossover and Swamp Thing, but this is, I think, a great example of having books in a connected universe that actually makes them feel cooler and it has like a little yeah. more, you know, excitement to them. Because, you know, reading this, I was just thinking back to like, oh, man, I remember those first issues of um, Swamp Thing by Snyder and um, Paquette and being like, oh, like how creepy it was and how cool it was and when they met and all that stuff. It's such a cool way of doing it. And something that really doesn't exist after the first 20 issues i mean animal man only gets another nine issues but in the 52 in general like it felt like such a seamless sort of like break as much as it was very eventy and stuff like that it like it made sense and it was cool to see it happen in that way and it you know it's, it's kind of a shame that it might be one of a, only a handful of ones in the new 52 that was able to actually pull it off it might even be the only one now that i'm thinking about it but um super cool well, it is cool that it is so different from what you expect from a DC book, right? And obviously, like, there's the visual side of it, which we that we touched on. Um, I mean, just like, I think it's an issue two when Maxine and, and Buddy go into the rot. And there's those panels where, like, Maxine is just chill, like, flying, like, she feels great. And Buddy's skin is being ripped off and you see his internal organs and his, like, his head is, like, stretching and elongating and his eyeballs are popping out. And just, like, this really gross, bloody, gory, like, but but it's it's awesome. Like, it's so sick to look at. Oh, it. yeah. And, and, and travel. Phenomenal. Yeah, Travel Foreman really just, like, does a phenomenal job of, like, setting that up at the start. I actually think, like, I like Steve Pugh's art, but I I really wish that Travel Foreman had been able to draw the whole thing. Because oh, yeah. the visual language that he establishes in those first six issues is pretty unrivaled, in my opinion. And it also yeah, just really fits the tone of the book. Oh, yeah. It's, uh like, the things that are happening are terrifying, mm-hmm. right? Like there, it has to lean into the horror side because that's the that's the only way you can really establish like how horrific the things that are going on are. Right? It's mm-hmm. not a traditional yeah. superhero story where it's like, I mean, it's funny because in some ways this is a traditional superhero story in, in the sense that like there's this huge existential threat and we have to stop it. But it's not like oh, it's an it's an alien attack or a, mm-hmm. a, a, a supervillain in the traditional sense, but rather it's you know. Uh, well, I, I 
I guess it kind of is. And it's like, I was going to say it's like zombies, but zombies are a thing that comes up in superheroes, but it is like, it is different tonally. It, it feels much scarier and much more like real in a sense. So the panel that stood out to me or the, the time is when, um, is when Maxine gets like mauled to death by these, like, you know, members oh, yeah. of the hut. And she just casually is like, Oh, I took over a Fox's body and I, you know, turned it into my body. Yeah. Like, oh, that's my old body, but don't worry. I'm in my new body. And just like, the, the imagery there and then you know the the book definitely like uses that as a main like holy shit this is not right and like the family reacting to it but just on a pure visual like horror level it's so mm-hmm. so neat it's also one of the best uses I think of the fact that Maxine is a little kid in the book where like she ha- does not yet really have a conception of what happened that like her old body got mauled to death and but she is like able to just completely create a new body that she's inside of and it's just she looks at the old body and she just goes that's not that's not me that's there's no life in that body anymore that's not me anymore this one yeah um and there's like that kind of naivete to her that like and like all the other characters are just like her mother and brother and grandmother and father are all just sitting there just like absolutely horrified well and especially the grandmother who's like you know if you're talking about like yeah youngest to the oldest where the youngest one's like oh it's fine and she's like this is what what, like that's basically her whole thing where she's like "Uh uh-uh nope 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 and then there's a little bit of like you know what you love my daughter you're okay buddy baker yeah that um that scene was very weird to me. The the one where she, yeah, where, where she comes around to Buddy. Yeah, just like I don't know. It felt like there was not like any actual like. Uh, we didn't really see her have a change of heart or anything. Yeah, I mean to just it to just seemed like it was sp- supposed to be like narratively convenient. Yeah, just to to, to lay it out specifically the. Ellen's mother, uh, or Buddy's mother-in-law, does not like that her daughter is married to a superhero. She thinks that he's kind of a loser and an idiot, which he is kind of a loser. Uh, She's not totally wrong about that. But yeah, she does have this moment later on where she says- She also doesn't like that he continually puts like Ellen and their family in danger. Right. I I will say- I that moment I think does kind of work for me just because, you know, prior to this book, presumably like she's kind of at arm's length. She doesn't really see like the dynamics of the family, like up close. She, it's easy to like have conceptions about it when you're, you're, you know, a, you, I mean, they have to like drive a few hours to get to her, to get to her. So clearly she's not like a direct part of their daily lives. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's, I can see how, you know, once you actually see buddy, you know, going out of his way, putting his life on the line multiple times to, to save your family. Like I can see where the change of heart would happen, but yeah, we don't really see her have that shift on. It's just, yeah, very much. it's, it's just sort of like shift. She's very anti-buddy, which, like, I get. Uh, And then we just have a scene where she's like, you know what? You love my daughter and my grandchildren, so I'm okay with this. And it's like, I'm fine with that happening, but, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been better if Buddy fucking murdered her. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Do you get me, John? (laughs) Uh, I don't. I don't endorse that. You shouldn't <laughs> murder your mother-in-law, even if she really doesn't like you. 
Damn. Uh, I don't have to worry about mine. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, that is like one of the the sort of cracks in the armor. I think of like it, it is one of those things where, and Alex, you alluded to the to the rot world stuff, but it the book does kind of, in my opinion, buckle under the the rot world crossover uh, towards the end. Um, and I think this is the first time we've read like an actual event comic for this show. I mean, we did Kingdom Come, which is is kind of like an event comic, but it's not a crossover no. or anything like that. And it takes place out of continuity. So I'm curious how you all felt about the uh, the crossover aspect and how whether or not you felt like, you know, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire handled that element of the book well um, or just, you know, in general if you yeah. felt like they're able to pull off the stakes of the, the huge event uh, relative mm-hmm. to the rest of the, I mean, I think, I mean, I kind of alluded to it, but I, there's very few event comics that I look back now and I'm like, Oh, this was good. Oh, this was cool. It's mostly like in the moment when you're reading it, you know, month to month issue to issue, it's kind of exciting to be a part of it. And that's sort of the event part of it. Like I can think of like blackest night. I still do like, and that's, that, that's pretty eventy, but this one, for an event comic, I still th- I, like. I still think it's good. I don't think it's like fantastic. The parts that are doing the Rot World crossover, and I think the stuff before it and the stuff after it is is stronger. Uh, even though we don't, we don't really get that much stuff after it, it's really just like, hey, Cliff's dead, and and um, but yeah, and in, in terms of balancing it, I think I think it, it it makes sense, and it's clearly something they planned from the beginning with with the red and the green and and the rot, because um, you know, reading Swamp Thing or Animal Man it's it's a clear ramp up and then they meet and then they fight against the enemy and then they go their separate ways um so i thought yeah i thought in terms of that like a really a really good crossover even if crossovers are no longer my favorite thing yeah i like i thought i thought they pulled it off like i was uh yeah i'm not like the i'm not the world's biggest scott snyder's fan so i wasn't sure like how this was gonna uh this was going to go as far as a crossover goes, but like, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed the issues that they worked on. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought it was fun. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of, I think the worst part of it is, uh, when they first cross over an issue 12 or issue 13, I think, uh, where it's the one issue of animal man, one issue of swamp thing, where uh, they have to recap everything because some people might have been reading Swamp Thing and some yeah. people might have been reading Animal Man, but not the other book. Yeah. So you get the very clumsy, like, in both issues, the very clumsy, like, these are the characters. They're this definitely, is what's happened in the other book. They're you might have missed this. There are definitely a few moments in this book where it's like, I, the character, know what is happening, but you yeah. should tell me what's going on just for the benefit of the audience. It, yeah, it, and it is one of those awkward things where, like, when you're writing monthly comics, like, you can't really rely on people reading every single book that's being released. Uh, so, like, I understand from that perspective why they have to do it, but it does make for a, a fairly awkward read. And then when they actually do get to Rot World, I, I feel like it the ending is very quick. Like, yeah. They, and I'm I'm just less in vet like reading like both the the Red Kingdom and the Green Kingdom halves and then and then the conclusion I'm just like there are definitely parts of those issues where my eyes glaze over because it's like well yeah but like it, this is cool I guess but also it's happening in ongoing DC books so it has to be undone by the yeah. end yeah right and so you know obviously like at this point I've read 
these run like both the animal man and swamp thing like probably two or three times a piece so like obviously i know how it ends but yeah even just reading it i'm like even with even keeping that in mind it's just it's just hard to like really care about it when you know it's just okay yeah. they're they're gonna reverse this and also like i don't know why is beast boy here i don't give a shit about well i, I do care about beast boy but it's like why do i care about this iteration of beast boy and i feel like uh it's not necessarily like I, it's not necess- it doesn't necessarily say anything about like the quality of the writing. It's just that when you have four issues to basically set up a completely new cast of characters and tell this huge story, it, it's go there's go it's hard it's it's borderline impossible to actually pull that off in a way that actually well, leaves readers satisfied. Yeah. And it's kind of, it feels a little antithetical to like what we get in the first few issues of Animal Man, which is not like, you're not crossing over with superheroes. You're not doing that. It's like, this is the story of a family fighting against this like big thing, but it's not like, you know, it's pretty self-contained in that. And like, it's, it's kind of them against the world style thing. So then when it does that, it's like, huh, it's very interesting yeah. that, you, that you went with that. No, I, I, I think so too. Like I, I, and it's what the Swamp Thing crossover is one thing because doing this like connected mythology is kind of a cool idea. And obviously like the green and the red had existed pr- prior to this, but you know, this kind of direct connection between them and then, you know, having the rod is sort of like the third element is it, it's cool in theory. Like yeah, I, I, was, I, I know. Oh, go I, ahead. I was going to ask like, to what extent were these things connected before they were 52? Because like, well, I, it, it was a swamp thing thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, like they existed, but like Animal Man was not a part of it. Animal yeah. Man was okay. always like a separate thing. Animal Man was like very much like very rare. Like, you know, Swamp Thing was clearly like it was a Vertigo book, but like DC characters would show up in Swamp Thing or at least be referenced. Whereas I, I think like Animal Man always technically took place in the DC universe, but it was always much more of, or initially it was much more of a separate thing uh, than, than even Swamp Thing was. So this is like the first time that they really, okay. as far as I know, the first time they really connected the two characters. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like definitely this. wondering about that while I was reading this. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, it definitely kind of comes out of Snyder and Lemire wanting mm-hmm. to collaborate on a book. Yeah. And also I, I yeah, it is. And and I think like DC at this time also, you know, they did a lot of crossovers. And I mm-hmm. think that they were just doing a lot of those. And it kind of worked out that, you know, Snyder and Lemire wanted to write a crossover. DC probably wanted crossovers between books in the same line. So it made sense to do this. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not sure what I, I'm not sure that like what they actually came up with was that successful. Like I almost think the not to, you know, Monday morning quarterback Jeff Lemire. Uh, but I almost think that like the time skip is like an odd choice for this book because it, it, it seems like it, it, it seems like just focusing more on the family for those four issues. And obviously you see them in the, you see, it's not like those characters go away for four issues. You still see them in the flashbacks, mm-hmm. but it almost feels like having more stuff that was just happening in the present without a time skip, without this like big post apocalypse thing might've worked better in terms of flowing naturally from the rest of the story. Um, but who knows? Um, I'm just personally not the the biggest fan of it. Um, 
I guess the one of the aspects we haven't really talked about very much is the movie. Uh, not a real movie. They they didn't film a movie or animate a movie called Tights, but there is this fictional movie Tights that Buddy Baker stars in, where he plays, uh, basically plays Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. I was just uh, <laughs> he's got he's got the tape as well. It, like it, yeah, it has, he has the tape. Dude, it, and John it, Paul Fraction's Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, and John Paul Leone, who drew Haw- who drew, who was a fill-in artist on Hawkeye, if I remember correctly, also drew draws the issue where the where uh, Cliff is watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's not a fill-in issue on Hawkeye, his style is very similar to uh, Frank Avia and some of the other guys that yeah. they get to fill in on 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 Hawkeye. It, it's 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 hard not like it's hard not to draw the the comparison between the the two. Um, so I'm curious how you guys felt about that it's, subplot, and it, it did come out a year movie. later, which is interesting. So the Hawkeye number one came out in 2012 in August. So yeah. the tight first issue is already done. It's done. It's all finished. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's cool to see. It's like not probably actually inspired, but very like similar vibes. It is interesting that like this was something like this kind of like dirtbag superhero idea was going around like at the time. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I would even uh, just I when I saw your question about this in the uh, Google Doc for for shits and giggles, I briefly imagined a a universe in which they made like a DC animated movie of just tights, <laughs> which I think would be fun. They uh, should have. I, they, they still should, can. They should. No, like I mean, they are cowards, so they won't. But they should, and it. I think it would actually be really fun and interesting and good. Mm-hmm. But uh, they won't because they don't have the vision like I do. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I enjoyed this as a an element of the. Uh, the, the animal man story i enjoyed it as like a you know a, a way of reflecting on aspects of animal man as a character uh i love anytime there's a fictional movie or play or something in another work so uh mm-hmm. yeah i i was uh I, I was i was excited for that element and i was excited that we got to see like so much of what the the quote-unquote movie look yeah like. no it's it's really cool that there's basically two issues that are entirely devoted yeah to, i did not at f- all expect to, to see so much of yeah. what was supposed to be the content of the movie i, I think it's actually three issues because there's one that's the end of the movie that's after issue 20 yeah. Uh, cause we don't actually see the end of the movie in issue 20 but i do love the sort of like blurring the lines uh between the movie and like the actual events that are happening. Like it's kind of a reveal the first time that like, Oh, this is cliff watching it on his phone. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's, it's, it's great. And and I also like it in the context of animal man, where like the most iconic animal man story is probably the Morrison story where uh buddy goes out into the desert and has an, uh, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but he, he, he like goes into a trance and he meets Grant Morrison. Like, not oh, yeah. and Grant Morrison tells tells Buddy like yes I am the writer who is writing you you are a comic book character yeah. and they have a conversation about that so it's kind of cool that in the context of you know the new 52 which is supposed which was 
sort of pitches this more grounded approach to the DC characters that Lemire found actually a very grounded and kind of interesting way to work in that sort of meta narrative element of uh, that, that ever since that, that Morrison book has felt like integral to, to animal man. And I think is like one of the reasons that it's hard to write animal man books uh, now, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think like, Lemire I think is so not cool. the goat for nothing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. No, I, I, I enjoy tights. I like that Buddy Baker got nominated for an Oscar in the DC universe. I enjoyed that as uh, well. I like the confirmation that the Oscars exist in the DC universe. Yeah. Uh, you can't escape. Uh, you can't escape the Oscars no matter where you go. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Um, well... Did you guys have any uh, any other thoughts about the the book? Anything that you liked or didn't like that you wanted to call out in particular? Or any other topics of conversation you felt would be interesting? I feel like Animal Man's power, like, I, I, I as I said, this was my first experience with this character and his powers, so I had literally no idea what to expect. I feel like this man's powers is kind of busted. Like, I get that, you know, later when he is in the, like, rot world and he has less access to animals or whatever, like, that obviously limits his ability to have certain powers or whatever but in like just the normal world it feels like his powers kind of fucking busted i i mean yeah like he he has he basically he he can tap into the the red and get the characteristics of any anything. yeah so he can fly he can get super strength this is just like uh like holy shit sort of thing well it's fun that like I always love it when like these characters who are like super important to the universe and like super powerful, but they're just like sideshows basically. They're just kind of guys, you know. Like I-, I love that. Like you know, he's not an alien from another planet who works as a photojournalist. He's not like the heiress to. He's you not know, really. An he's Greek not part of the Justice League at all. Yeah. Well, it was briefly. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like, like not yeah, as yeah. like a. No. They, it's funny they actually spin out of this book uh out of animal man a jeff lemire written book called justice league united that was originally uh. supposed to be called justice league canada but then they were like american audiences wouldn't want to buy that and they oh were man so they call yeah. it justice league united and animal man is the main guy and it was terrible like the leader. i was gonna say and it sucks it because- sucks it sucks oh that's unforge yeah yeah papa lemire uh, had a miss well, this was during yeah. Trinity War, where the Justice League Dark, the Justice League United, and the Justice League all fought each other. Well, at that time, it was the Justice League of America, not Justice League United. The Justice League of America became Justice League United. Yeah, so it's a it's a mess. Um, it's a whole mess. But I I do really enjoy that you know he is just a guy. Like we need there there should be more superheroes who are kind of just guys. You're so right, um, is the thing. Like you're so yeah. right. Alex, did you have anything else? He's just an animal, man. He's just an animal, man. Um, it's good. It's good. I hope yeah. this Lemire guy keeps writing for DC Comics. I'm excited oh, to see boy. what happens with him. He did just put out a Swamp Thing book recently. So. Oh, yeah. 
pretty good. Uh, Emily, the, the thing that I, so Emily earlier, uh, you put out a tweet about how you would have, you, you ship Swamp Thing and Animal Man, not because you want them to be together, but because you just want them to explore each other's bodies. This is true. I did say this. And you did not read Animal Man Annual Number One. I will read it literally so, uh, after we finish recording this. I do. I'm going to spoil something for you. Oh yeah. Uh, do you remember? And Alex, you you read the annual, right? So Emily, do you remember when we read that Swamp Thing issue? And Swamp Thing pulls a fruit out of his body and gives it to Abby Arcane, and she eats it and has like this transcendental experience, and it's very clearly supposed to be like that's how they have sex with each other. Mm-hmm. What if I told you that in the annual, a past incarnation of Swamp Thing and a past gave a past incarnation of Animal Man that same fruit, and he eats it and has that same kind of experience where he sees the world as it truly is. Oh, I'm definitely uh, going to read this after uh, we finish recording. They, they fucked. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start cooking dinner and I'm going to read this while I'm cooking dinner. I And the implication of it is definitely that they, the different avatars of the red and green mm-hmm. have done this throughout time. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Many, t- many a time. Yeah, and I'm just saying, I'm kind of with it. I think we need the Swamp Thing and Animal Man polycule. Uh... Th- th- they can do a Riverdale-style uh, four-person polycule. Except more brave than Riverdale, and they will have it. Kane and Ellen but- Baker also want to hook up. They, You know, good for them. But yeah, I it support is this. Yeah. If 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 Ellen wants to also eat the swamp thing fruit, good for her. Good for her. I'm gonna say about that. I would eat the swamp thing fruit. I think it I probably, would too, honestly. It probably doesn't taste very good, but I think the experience would be pretty cool. Like, well, that's how I you know, I you know, John Luke, I feel like you don't know this, but um mushrooms, <laughs> like psychedelic mushrooms, also uh-huh. taste really fucking bad so like i feel like that's kind of a comparable experience actually yeah yeah so i i hope you enjoy the the animal man annual i i'm very excited to to read this and i like just totally spaced on making sure i read it before the show even though i meant to Uh uh-huh would it be swamp man or animal thing as their couple names i like animal Animal Thing. thing Yeah. Animal thing. Animal thing is really good. But I did wear I wore my Evangelion shirt to be in like the body horror mood. <laughs> nice. Heck yeah. Uh, well, I guess we can move on uh to wrapping up the show. Um but before we do that, we should probably address the sound that we're hearing. What is it? Uh, what is that oh, sound? Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. That is the sound of Voodoo by Ron Mars and uh, Artist. Uh, Which is kind of like the Doomsday Clock, if you think about it. I mean, I don't want to hear it. That's it sure. might be a little bit better than the Doomsday Clock, but it's definitely, you know. The thing about the Doomsday there. Clock is like it gives you, you know, you're going to die, right? So you'll be free of it. You know, eventually the clock will take you. But you're, you're never free of Voodoo by Ron Mars. It's always in your head. Uh-huh. Well, so, it will always be in my head. head. Yeah. Uh 
I'm not going to make that joke. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about uh, something that made us cry this week. Do you get? Did you guys cry? Uh, oh yeah. The last recording. Yeah. Well, it's what an echo. Cry, Alex. Well, I guess it's a preemptive cry. It's a uh-huh. it's a wistful thinking cry. Uh-huh. Um, well, okay, no, I okay. Here we go. I'll just say my thing. How about that? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So yesterday I was at a friend's house, uh-huh. and my other friend walks in, and his hair is completely uh-huh. dyed orange. Uh huh. Because this I'll Saturday, also cry, but yeah, because this Saturday we're doing a Riverdale murder mystery party. And he's playing Archie Andrews. Oh and my god! Fantastic, fantastic! Shout out, shout out to him. Love he, the commitment to the bit. He will listen to it. But yeah, we're doing we're doing a murder mystery party, and it's like I'm playing I'm playing Jughead Jones because I already had the serpent's jacket and the and the toque uh-huh. and, the, and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I'm excited. It's happy tears of anticipation for this wonderful, wonderful time. Oh, that's so funny. I love that. That sounds awesome. Please take pictures, like group pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Please. yeah. I need to see this. And it's my birthday week. It's like the perfect time for this to it's happen. It's perfect. All my dreams coming true. When is your birthday, Alex? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <gasps> I didn't know that. Well, you're late now. Oh. Because this episode's coming l- out late. <laughs> well, I, I still present day me get to wish you a happy birthday tomorrow. Only if you remember. I, I will i think and you dear I, listener i hope <laughs> i'll uh, remember my cry space is that um i watched all of the friday the 13th movies and now i yeah, feel would like make someone cry i feel like just sort of a sense of uh a sense of emptiness now that i've like completed the entire the entire uh 10 movie for fran- 11 movie franchise i i have not seen all 11 but the craziest thing about that franchise is that none of them are good and i can't yeah! believe that they made so many that's the thing but. is like honestly they are overwhelmingly mediocre like even even the best friday like and it's kind of it's kind of a bummer because like jason has such an iconic design as far as like mm-hmm. horror slashers go like you really can't fucking beat it like like I mean, jason- he arguably is the iconic slasher villain right Even yeah i mean more so than like michael myers yeah and, like, i was Cougar. gonna say like you've got like him and michael myers but like like really like as far as aesthetic goes like you can't beat that hockey mask like it's just yeah. fucking iconic but oh my god like so many of those movies are just like really like even the best they're just kind of mediocre uh and it's unfortunate but i did watch all of them including freddy versus jason which is why i said 11 movies um or and also i guess wait maybe 12 including the i did watch the The two the 2009 remake was the last one i watched um but yeah, I because we had a Friday the thirteenth this month in October, I like on that day watched uh Friday the thirteenth uh three through or four through seven or eight. I watched several movies in one day is the thing that happened, and then mm. continued that the next day and uh so now I've seen all the Friday the thirteenth movies and nice. I feel an emptiness that i must fill with uh watching all of the halloween movies is my next uh 
Have you seen them all before? No, I haven't seen all of them before. um, But at this point, I have watched uh, up to the third one now. But I have all of them downloaded. So third one is great. I love I love season of the witch. Oh, actually, you know, I um, I'm gonna watch season of the witch last because I'm just going through all of the uh, the Michael Michael Myers Myers bit. But I am I do have season of the witch. I am gonna watch it. I'm not like skipping it. I just want to like get through all the Michael Myers stuff and then then do season of the witch because I know it's unrelated. Season of the witch is awesome. Yeah, I know that Halloween movie, which is crazy. Yeah. Are you also going to watch the Rob Zombie ones? Uh, probably. I did download wow. both of them. So Are you going to uh, watch the the new trilogy? Uh, I'll I might I don't think I'll I don't think I'll make it to the new trilogy like before the end of cuz we as we're recording we're still in October. So uh, right. I don't think I'll make it to the new trilogy by the end of the month, but I'll probably at some point make it to them cuz I mean I love I love Jamie Lee Curtis, so that's like enough for me yeah. to to power through. I, I still haven't seen the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that wasn't the first one of those good? And then the other two were like it's super, fun. Super bad. Is it is it good? The first one, no, but it is fun and it has really nice like it has very pleasant like fall decent. vibes. Yeah. Uh, well, it it depends on whether or not you think that it shits on the legacy of the original movie. Yeah. Well, it does uh, like. They didn't they like totally wipe out uh yes, it, most it, of it the... removes from canon literally all of the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> uh and um has some really dumb shit about Michael in it. Yeah. That I think is pretty stupid. Uh somehow more stupid than what Rob Zombie does, where Wow It's like where the Rob Zombie stuff at least is like in the second Rob Zombie movie, I, like there's some merit to it. I don't think it's uh-huh. very good. I'm not like an apologist for the Rob Zombie movies, but sure. you know, I, 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 he, he cooked a little bit. Uh, David Gordon Green did not cook, and then the second oh. one is the one where it's just like oh, Michael David Gordon Green consistently. Just, David Gordon Green cons- consistently does not cook when it comes to yeah. working with horror movies, huh? Uh, I have not heard good things about that Exorcist remake. I have heard years, very so. bad things why about that are, Exorcist remake. Why are they still giving them films? Um, mo- <sighs> money. Do they make money. Money. Um. Yeah. Wow. I do you think it's a very funny concept to be like? Michael Myers caused January 6th in a small Ohio town. Like, on paper, that is a very funny idea. When you have to watch a whole movie that's about that, though, it's not as funny. Womp womp. Uh, but anyway. Um, I'll make my it there. This is that I got an invite yesterday. and in my I had one prepared, but it's changed because I got an invite in my email tomorrow. Or yesterday, I got an invite in my email from my Google Calendar for a meeting... Uh, on Thursday at 6.30 a.m. Uh, what the fuck? So, uh, that's my cry space. I'm you're, fucking sad about that. Hold on. You're like even farther. Like, okay, so. Oh, wait. Okay, so is that like an 8.30 a.m. meeting? It's a 9.30 for, Eastern time meeting. 9, yes. Okay, Most yeah. of the people are on Eastern time, so it's a 9.30 meeting. Okay. Normally I didn't start work in the morning at 9. Yeah. Uh, but 
it will be 6.30. So. Oh, that is fucking unfortunate. I'm thinking about not... I'm thinking about just calling out sick. Like, for the whole day. I don't blame like you. Being like, oh, I'm throwing out... I threw up. I threw um, up, mom. I threw up. Uh, I will, I'll, te- I'll put that in the work group chat. I would not blame real. you, honestly. <laughs> um, so that's my cry space. Because uh, that fucking sucks. Worst thing that's ever happened to me. Um, anyway, you can find us on the internet. Uh, you can follow the show at Crying Book Club on Twitter. Uh, you can rate and review us five stars on podcast platforms of your choice. Uh, also, if you're one of the... F- weird little freaks who listens to podcasts on youtube for whatever reason uh we're on you i i I decided that uh i should start posting the episodes on youtube and rss makes this actually very easy where you just click a button it does it for you so yeah uh, you can find the podcast on youtube now if you want to um what's the handle crying in the book club well uh i'm still working on uh uploading the archives like the past episodes because youtube only lets you upload a certain amount of stuff per day so Mm -hmm. but the new episodes are there if you're if you want to go watch that listen to them on there um i'm on twitter at mountain dew liker i'm also on letterboxd at jl botbill um so you can find me there uh i've been playing way too much halo to watch movies unfortunately but i think here I think that we have like temporarily like like switched. We a body swap. We've yeah. we've done like some sort of emotional body swap because if you if you go look at me on Letterbox at Pandabore, you can see that I have watched so many goddamn movies this month because yeah. I've been watching a lot of uh, horror movies. I like I said, I watched all the Friday the Thirteenth. I've also been watching a lot of the Halloween movies and some of the later uh, Nightmare on Elm Street sequels that I had not seen because I mostly would just watch the first three movies on repeat because I love them. Um, and also the Saw movies because my uh, my other partner Francis has decided to hyper fixate on the saw movies so i've been dragged down into hell uh with them uh so y- you can you can find me over there on letterbox uh watching a bunch of horror movies well if our you know swaps have anything indicate anything about the future you have a lot of counter-strike 2 to look forward to i've never played a counter-strike so. but my wife likes it so uh you you know, ca- maybe so Look, Counter-Strike runs on any potato computer. You should start playing Counter-Strike. It's awesome. I do have a potato of a laptop, it, so... It is kind of crazy that in 2000, like, in the early 2000s, they made Halo Combat Evolved and Counter-Strike Source, and then, like, we kept making FPS games after that. <laughs> I don't know why we bothered as a culture. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, you can... F- uh, Emily already mentioned that uh, she's on Twitter, or on Letterboxd at Pandabore. Uh, also on Twitter at mpandanata and has a veritable empire of podcasts, including Imagine <laughs> Me and Utina, Fresh Podcast Market, That Looks Terrible, and uh, a variety of others that she has her fingers in the pot of. So true. Uh, and Alex is on Twitter at Alex Anziak, Um And you can find him playing soccer on Wednesdays. Tonight. With an iPad. Tonight. Yeah. Yep. If you go to a soccer game and you see a guy with an eye patch. Run. That might be Alex. <laughs> yeah, you should run. Yeah. Yeah. He's about to go sicko mode at the soccer game. 
Oof. Um, but yeah, uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, when we will be talking about uh, Kieran Gillen's 2015 Darth Vader comic. Woohoo! Uh, so you have that to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it. I reread it. I'm last looking year. forward, I'm looking to, forward it. to doing it again. I like I Darth Vader. Still like haven't read it, but I like Darth Vader. I like Karen Gillan. Uh, so I'm. Are we? Is any of what we're gonna read gonna involve uh, Doctor? Is it Afra? Afra? Afra, the first lesbian in Star Wars. Yes. Yes, it, it, Doctor Afra features heavily in the I, Karen Gillan. I, was, book, I, I know remember. she. I know she shows up at some point. So excited yeah. to also. She, she is a big part of. She's a big part of it. I have a bit planned, and if I don't forget it, I'm gonna activate it next episode. Oh, fuck so you have a Doctor Afra cosplay. Find out next week. If you but it, if in another you, week too. If weeks. you need an audio cue, just let me know. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll load it in the soundboard. I'm winking, but you can't see it right now. <laughs>